Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with us today. Today on Demand, we take a journey down the road. We talk about how wise people can have foolish problems. How in the world can they blend together? If you know what to do, how do you end up in a place that you never expected to be in? Some things have happened in my life. Some things have happened in your life that surprised you. You thought you picked better. You thought you knew better. And sometimes you did and you made other choices. But let's stay with this text today and learn how a man named Solomon was wise, but then ended up in a foolish place. Stay there, it's gonna be great. It will help you with the practical side of your life, so don't leave, enjoy today's message. As a matter of fact, call a friend and tell them to join you in this message today. This is really gonna be good, stay there. Turn with me to the book of Kings, I wanna show you something, First Kings chapter three. There's a story about a, a guy named Solomon who's in his 20s. Uh, some believe he's 20 years old and he is going to reign until he's 60. He dies pretty young and he is and he is considered to be the wisest man who ever lived. And there's this incredible inconsistency in his life that always can kind of confuse me a little bit because on one side he's described as incredibly wise. He writes a lot of book of Proverbs. He writes a lot of that. He has some good insights about romance, sex, money. I mean, this guy's smart, you know. But then on the other side of his life, he goes haywire. He's a womanizer. This is the guy that ends up with a thousand wives, thousand women, 700 wives and 300 concubines. This is the guy that you look at and you go, how in the world did he end up like that? This is a guy whose father uh, learned some very painful lessons, David, with Bathsheba and was embarrassed publicly and just his whole kingdom went down after he had this moral failure with Bathsheba. All of that happened and you would think Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, by the way, just for the record, you would think he would have learned from that and he would never be foolish. But you can have good examples. You can have people in your life that showed you the path. You can have people that tell you their story and you still go do something crazy. It's easy for us to lose our way. It's easy for us if we're not careful to become distant from wisdom. And so that's why I call this, how can a wise person end up with foolish problems? It's because of certain reasons. And I want to give you a list of them before I read 1 Kings 3. Here they go. You ready? Number one, romantic fantasies. Number two, comfort with compromise. Number three, excessive extremes. Number four, ignoring painful family lessons. And number five, waiting until they're older to fear God. So here we go. You ready? Let me read for you, first of all, the text, 1 Kings chapter 3, and then I'm going to come back and talk about all that. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse, verse uh, 3. Solomon loved the Lord with walking in the statutes of his father, David, except, except important now that he sacrificed and burned incense at high places. Verse, uh, verse seven. Now, O Lord, he prays. Now, I want to pause there for a minute and say this. Now, he's going to this is a description of Solomon. He loves the Lord except one thing. One thing. He kept the high places, the places where they worshiped God. Now, at the root of this is these romantic relationships. At the root of his reasoning for letting the high places exist is he loved many foreign women. And he allowed himself to 
fall into a practice that trapped him. Your love life can be the biggest reason you go astray because you got to have somebody in your life. You just don't care if you're not care. You just won't care. Solomon had in first Kings chapter 11, it describes him as having 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, that's 25 weddings a year. That's one every other week. This guy's got a wedding every other week. He's falling in love with somebody new every other week. That's unstable, just for the record. And what he does is he becomes comfortable with compromise. He, tore, he didn't tear down all the idols. First Kings chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, we just read it. He didn't tear down. He just, he just, the, the women he married, he brought their false gods with him. And then he became excessive and extreme and began to build all these buildings. And I mean, his building campaign is described in 1 Kings 7, and it's phenomenal. I mean, this guy has all kinds of stuff. And he, he had this habit, it seems like, as I said, mentioned earlier, of ignoring what he learned. His daddy messed up, and that's in uh, second, 1 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. It describes his dad's failure, and he didn't learn from it. He didn't learn from it. He didn't, it, didn't, it didn't stop him. And then lastly, it's not until he's 60 years old in the book of Ecclesiastes that he comes to his senses. And he, he concludes, and this is a great text, it's in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. It says, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. At the end of the day, the conclusion of it all, fear God. Keep his commandments. That's what I ought to do. But it took him until he was 60 years old to settle in that place. So let me ask you, are you like Solomon? Are you like, you know, OK, up and down, level to the ground. And all of a sudden you now find yourself in this foolish season with 700 wives, 300 concubines, torn up life, torn up romantic life, torn up reputation. And you knew better. That's why I like this story, because this story tells our story. This story tells the story of a lot of good people who started out with wisdom, who were sincerely committed to growing in God. They were sincerely committed. Listen to what it says about him. This is first Kings chapter three. This is verse seven. Now, now, O Lord, he says, now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I'm a child and I don't know how to go out or come in. Mercedes, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered. Verse nine, then give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now, this is a guy who's hungry. This is a guy who wants to do it right. This is a guy who starts out on the right track. This is a, this is a guy you would never think romantic. You know, distractions would get him. You would never think he would compromise. You never think he would go worship at the, at, you know, in these in these um, places they, they call the high places where they had false gods, you know, and they go up to the high places and bow down and offer sacrifices to these false gods. You would never think Solomon would do that, especially with his background. But this is a guy who is a picture of all of us. If we're not careful, we know better. We pray better. We have a good season where we're really strong and focused. But then all of a sudden things change. As a matter of fact, let me just make a point. In this season we're in right now, you're seeing where people really are. In this season right now, you see what preachers really think. They'll risk your life to go to church. Wow, that's amazing to me. I'm not saying the church is a bad idea. I'm a preacher guy. I got a lot of people. I care about church. Okay, but I'm not willing to risk you to gather with you. 
I mean, if, if, I understand you can do it with some boundaries and restrictions. I get that. And it can be safe if you do it right. Sort of safe, kind of, sort of safe. Okay, but let's just pretend that I, well, let me not pretend. Let me just say, I've seen a lot of people not care at all in moments when you're challenged, you see the truth. The real truth becomes clear to everybody. This was a moment when Solomon was given a lot of, of time to pray and, he, and in, the, on the, in the beginning, solid. But over time, he changed. Let me show you how solid he was. Let me show you that you can be really together, but then something will happen, like what's happened in this pandemic. Something can happen, and then all of a sudden, you change totally. But, but what really happens is the real you kind of comes out. And, and sometimes the Lord uses, allows these circumstances to reveal the truth. Sometimes I don't know what I'm really like until I'm under pressure or until I get down the road and look at, oh, man, I shouldn't have ate that. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Listen to, listen to what God said about it. I'm going to show you how together this guy was. This is important. This is verse 10 of First, first Kings chapter, chapter 3. Watch this. He, the speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, look at it again. Then the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. And God said to him, because you've asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I've given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone any like you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Let me get that out. <laughs> Hard to get out, but you got it. He said, listen, there's not going to be anybody like you. Solomon was incredible. It's phenomenal. Starts out out of the chute on target, ready to go. But then over time, the truth came out. Over time, you saw he was a guy with wisdom. He, and God gave it to him. God gave him a discerning heart. He was smart as can be. But all of a sudden, he lost his way. He lost his way. How did that happen? How does a guy like that get there? He's so impressive that people come from all over to hear him. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 10 about a woman, the Queen of Sheba. We don't know much about her. But the Queen of Sheba comes and she is so impressed with Solomon that she starts saying, I had to come and see for myself. I heard about your wisdom. And so he comes, she comes in town and, and Solomon gives her the royal treatment. And she says, I've heard of you, but now I've seen for myself how wise you are. And the half hasn't been told and all the stuff you've got. I mean, this, this is really pretty nice. It's a, it's a big compliment. And Solomon is eating it up. But what's amazing is, even though he was that wise, even though she could see how smart he was and how grand he was and how wonderfully successful he was at a young age, all of a sudden, his life turns in 1 Kings 11. I just, I've always wondered why. Why would you not do what you know you should do? Why wouldn't I do? Let's turn on me. I knew this was wise, but why would I not do what I knew? Let me read 1 Kings 11. I want you to hear what he said. This is important. 
But King Solomon loved many foreign women. There's the romantic part, right? As well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, God told them, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Wow. And he had, watch this now, 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines. And they turned away his heart. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. And the statement in verse 4 brings it home. Listen to what he said in verse 4. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods when he was old. Now old is 60. That's younger than me. I'm 62. Now, I don't kind of like the fact that God called him old at 60. But I'll go with whatever the Bible says. So I'm older. I'll say that. Okay. Here's the point, though. Um, it wasn't until he got up in age, I'll say it that way, that he lost his mind. As he got older, he just flipped out. Some of you are like that. You are like that. Look at me. Yes, you are. You are going to the left. Fast. Looking at girls again. Slobbering. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me be your grandpa. <laughs> Yeah, you're losing your mind. And it ain't just the grandpas, the grandmamas too. You know, grandmamas can be lustful and bad and go, go off the cliff and they just hide it better. They just have a, you, you can't tell. They just, they lust differently. But, but the lesson in all of this is, how could somebody this smart be this foolish? Well, it's easy. You lose your way. You lose your way. I thought a lot of people were wiser than they were. I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. But, but I want to turn this in, inward for a minute. I'm not just surprised at them. I'm surprised at me. What do you mean? There are times I've looked at myself and I've said, how could you let yourself gain that kind of weight? And I've never been a big, big guy, but I just, I just felt like I just should have looked closer. I'm going to give you four tests that kind of help me measure myself to see, am I being wise or am I being foolish? Am I slipping? Number one, look at your results. If I'm honest, am I experiencing results? Write this down, right? Am I experiencing results um, of foolish choices right now? If I'm experiencing the results of a foolish choice, that means I might have known, I might have been clear and wise, I knew exactly what to do, but I made a foolish decision. Number two, second, what I call questions that help you um, test your, your wisdom. Number one, remember, am I experiencing results of wisdom or foolish choices? Okay, number two, now this is really important, number two, am I right now experiencing something that was wise when I started, but it became foolish over time. So I started out okay, started off on the right track, started off going in the right direction, but then over time, it just went wrong. If that's the case, why am I still doing it? I've, I've seen it's not wise. I'm clear. I mean, I'm clear. 
This was smart back then, but it's not smart now. Number three, this is these are so important. Number three, who was wise in your youth, but became foolish as you both aged? Who was wise in your youth? Somebody you hung around. It was wonderful to hang around them. They were helpful, inspirational, but now they're not good for you. <laughs> it's just obvious. This is bad. All day in the sun, bad for you. Terrible. It's going to hurt your life. It's going to wreck your future. You don't need this in your life, but you won't face it. You're trying to pretend you're still in high school. Well, we're still young. We're still together. No. Here's number four. You ready? Can you name the one wise thing God said no to you about years ago that you demanded he say yes to? Can you go back and say, you know, I did demand God to give me this man. And I told God I want this woman. I told God I want this job. I want this career. I demanded. I prayed. I, God, bring it into my life. Give me this opportunity. And the Lord, the Lord was trying to move. No, but now you see it. I can look back and see all kinds of times. When I thought I was wise and I was foolish, I thought I was right and I was wrong. There were times when I thought I was clear and I was unclear. There were lessons in my life I learned that were profound. And sometimes in your life, there are things you learn. There are things you see and it takes a while for you to see. Let me close with this. There's a a few loose ends I want to kind of leave you with that I think might help you pull all this together. Number one, you can't be afraid to be unwise. That's part of your growing season. You're going to be unwise. You're going to, there'll be a moment as a pastor, as a leader, as a husband, you'll be as a boss, you'll be unwise. You'll try to be wise. You'll try to do the right things, but you won't get it right. Number two, ready? You can't live without having a sincere but wrong season. Kind of the same thing, but a little bit different. I call it being sincerely wrong thinking. Right? You're just sincerely wrong in your way you think. I think the way we define church, the way we define God, the way we define worship, it's sincere, but it's wrong. It's not, it's not practical. Give me an example. If you work every day and you don't save any money, right? If you don't set any money aside, you're not being wise. Sincere, but unwise. You know, if you're buying stuff you, you, um, and you're not investing in the future, you're not, you're not pushing yourself forward. Uh, and I believe in, in entrepreneurship and trying and going after it. I really do. I'm a big believer in that. But I, I, I realized that some of my thinking, it was sincere, uh, and Christian, I mean, real spiritual, I thought, you know, giving a shall be given to you, shaking down, running over, walk by faith, not by sight, but didn't save enough. You got to pause and put some money aside. You have to save more. You have to try to save your health. You have to work out. You have to eat right. You have to rest. You have to, those, those are things in the name of being busy for God and going, I'm driving. Yeah, but you're killing yourself. So let's think about that. This is a little loose in thought. Number three, you can't let Mr. Guilt hold your learning less seasons against you. Mr. Guilt will dominate your life. Sorry, he will. You'll feel bad about everything. I can feel bad about everything. I mean, I felt bad about all kinds of stuff. I didn't build a bigger church for them. They wanted a bigger building. I wish I could have got them in the bigger building, which would have been a disaster by now if I had done that. I would, I, I could have, should, church should be bigger. And church got, we're already in, the, if you have over 800 people, you're in the top 98 percentile of churches. We're well into that, believe me. If you have 800 coming to your church, you're in the 98% of churches are smaller than you. It's ridiculous. Mr. Gilt pay, plays on anything. If you didn't preach a good sermon, he plays on you. If you didn't, if the kid's got a bad grade, you feel guilty about all kinds of stuff. Some of you live in guilt. 
because your children in jail. Well, you didn't do what he did. He did it. He in jail because of what he did. He saw him on the video. He guilty. She guilty. You didn't tell him to stab anybody, shoot anybody, hurt anybody. That's not what you taught him. I mean, some of you say, yeah, I did teach him that. Okay, well, then you can feel guilty about that a little bit. Say you're sorry, but you can't change it. You didn't do it. You didn't do it, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe there's some room in here to, to pray and say, Father, I was wrong. Because I want to, some of you, you did do some stuff that maybe you shouldn't have done. Own it, repent for it. And the Bible says, Romans 8, well, two verses. One, 1 John 1 says, he'll forgive you. 1 John 1 and 9. And if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you. Romans 8 says, and therefore there's no condemnation. Once you say you're sorry, once you've repented, there's nothing else you can do. Now, your son, you go to him, you say, listen, what I told you was foolish, unwise, and then you let the guilt go. Now, their job is to take what you've learned and apply it to their life. Now, I just want, I, that just dropped in my spirit because some of you are feeling that. You say, Pastor, no, I did help my children go, go off. Okay, you did. Say it, confront it, and move on. You can't let Mr. Guilt Stay with you all your life. You ready? Last little sin. Number four. I am often, I love this. I am often wise on my way to a wiser place. I'm often a wise man, but I'm on my way to a wiser place. There are times I'm wise, but not as wise as I'm going to be next year. I'll be wiser. So some of you need to pause and think about this. You have a chance in your life to be different. You have the chance in your life to admit, man, I'm like Solomon. I, I knew better. Mm. I got lost in romance, compromise, all the stuff you said, Pastor. I am, I am right in that hunt. But what do I do now? And, and the last thing I want to talk about briefly is how, how did I gain? How do you gain more wisdom? How did I gain more wisdom? What did I learn? Believe it or not, number one, I, I, had, I had to have experience. I gained, I gained wisdom when I gain experience, I gain experience. I must, I must have a moment where I, I, I go through something. I think this season of the pandemic and all the stuff that we're dealing with is, is putting something in our hearts and minds that we can keep forever. You know, wash your hands, right? Cover your mouth when you cough. How long have you heard that all your life? Um, make sure that you are aware uh, of, of how you take care of your body. Uh, be careful how you interact with people. There are a lot of things you're learning. Th those experiences that will stay with us. Churches are going to find it really fascinating. I'll just drop this in your mind. When you go back to church in the building, you won't be able to leave those bathrooms that sloppy. People won't come. People won't tolerate, you know, things being dirty. And I'm, I'm telling you, I love church, but sometimes they clean over here, but don't clean over there. Sometimes they're not as neat as they should be. And so the, the commitment to cleanliness and, and sanitation and, and uh, reach over and grab your neighbor's hand and give them a high five. A lot of that people are going to say, I ain't high five and I wave at you. And so it'll be some changes. People aren't going to be as prone to hug. Well, what's wrong with hugging? For a while, hugging is going to be on suspension for a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying for you, you're going to hug everybody. Okay, you go ahead. But if some people, you reach for them and say, hey, whoa, Corona just left a few minutes ago. Wait a second. I mean, I want you to realize, and some of you say, well, Pastor, it sounds like you got fear. I'm not trying to have any fear. I'm trying to talk to you where you are because that's what's on your mind. I'm trying to help you understand that there are moments in life 
that experiences change you so that you gain wisdom by learning things and having experience helps you know how to interact with people. I'm not saying you won't ever hug anybody ever, but you'll be more careful, more cautious. This experience will change you. If you don't believe that, keep watching the world. Number two, you ready? How do you gain wisdom? You ready? Number two, you gain exposure. You have to be around things. You have to be exposed to certain things. The people who went through the Great Depression were exposed to something and it changed them. They saved money. They were more focused because of that exposure. They knew the power of real estate, the power of saving money. They understood the power of investing. They understood the power of education because they had been exposed to it. Exposure does something that's amazing to you. Number three, I must learn from my failures. That's how I gain wisdom. I've got to fail. Sorry. Man, I wish that were not true. I wish I wish I could just succeed. I wish my life was just full of all perfect moments, but it's not. Mm, mm. It's just not. And then lastly, you ready? If I want to gain wisdom, I've got to forage. There's a word. <laughs> I must forage for knowledge, which is the word that means to search for something like animals do for food over a wide area. They're foraging in the wilderness looking for looking for something to eat. You got to forage for knowledge. You have to go out and look for it. You know, they often say if you want to hide something, you can just put it in a book and you, people never find it. You must not let that be true for you. You must not let it be true that you don't know. You will not have wisdom if you don't seek it as a church. You will never, ever get there, ever. If you're not trying to learn, if we're not trying to grow from this experience, if we don't take these moments and apply what we learn, we, my friend, are in trouble. Hey, listen, let me pray for you today. You've been a person committed to being wise, but you find yourself with foolish problems. You've made some decisions that now you realize. And sometimes, you know, people can look at you and like 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 the Queen of Sheba did at Solomon and say, oh, he's so wise. He's so great (laughs) and not know the truth. Solomon's staff disagreed with her. They felt, boy, this guy is rougher than you can imagine. As a matter of fact, after Solomon died, that became the issue. They said, you know, if you would be nice to us, we'd serve you. But Solomon's son refused. And so Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, lost the kingdom as a result of it, all because he wouldn't forage for knowledge. He wouldn't grow. Are you that kind of person? Are you refusing to change? Are you refusing to grow? If you are, my friend, you're going to miss God's best for your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all of us. All of us. All of us need wisdom. All of us need to learn. All of us need to grow. Help us learn. Help us grow. Help us change. Help us to not be afraid of the future. Help us to embrace the truth. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me say this to some of you. Some of you have heard me talk today and you would say, Pastor, the wise thing for me to do would be to get my life back on track. I want to pray a special prayer for you. Because for some of you, starting your life with Jesus would be a smart thing. You know that that's the right decision to give your life to God. You may not be a Bible person. You may not be a church person. But you know that your life needs to get some spiritual boost in it. And so I want to pray for you in just a moment, but I want to say this to you. Let this be the moment you make a serious decision. So let me pray. Father, I pray for those who would say, I need to surrender my life to God. I need need a transformation in my life and I can't do it on my own. And so let this be the moment. Jesus died on the cross to give them the opportunity to be forgiven for all their past failures and sins. And let this be that moment, that transforming moment when they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I praise you and thank you for them now in Jesus name. Amen.
Well, I pray you're blessed by today's message. I pray that you learned something from Solomon. He teaches us all that life can sure turn on you. You can be wise, going in the right direction, have all the right things around you and make some decisions that are unwise. How a wise person can have foolish problems. Boy, I tell you, that thing rang a bell in my heart because some things I felt should not happen in my life, but they happened. There were some challenges I felt we faced that we shouldn't have faced, but the, the sincere moments of my life didn't always translate into what I wanted it to turn into, but I'm learning, and so are you. So let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message and say, I, I consider myself wise, but I did make a foolish decision. And Lord, I pray this has been an enlightening moment for them, a moment where they will see and hear and serve you with a different attitude and a different spirit. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to have this moment of reflection and growth. I pray blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching On Demand, my favorite tool. I'm telling you because you can get the word when you want to. I'll see you next time right here on another On Demand sermon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.